gentlemen, welcome back to the podcast and I am here today with uh, Jonathan Morgan. Jonathan is the Network Security Project Manager at Akamai and Jonathan, welcome. Thank you, John. Glad to be here. So today we are talking about how 5G will change IoT and what you can do to prepare, uh, prepare not repair. Um, so Jonathan, I guess, tell us a little bit about your background to get this started. Sure. Um I've been in this industry working in various security technologies for 35 years. Um, I've, I've worked in, you know, at, at Akamai for 10 years building network security products to help uh, protect you know, our, our customers, whether they're carriers or enterprises, uh, from the network security challenges coming. Um, before that, I was in various uh, startups in the mobile world. Uh, building packet cores and mobile infrastructure for companies. Yeah. So what do you see as being the biggest trends and challenges over the next few years in 5G and IoT? Well, what's, what's interesting in 5G IoT, I think that the, obviously people think about 5G, you think about your phone and you're getting higher speeds. But where we see the, the biggest opportunity is actually on the enterprise side with you know, different enterprise applications using the technology, so whether you work remotely or on the IoT side, you know, building applications with IoT, because one of the big things about 5G is, is really increases the ability to use more IoT devices in more places at a much reduced cost. So being able to you know, think about IoT applications in connected cars and fleet management. Somebody at the conference mentioned that they do for farming and being able to monitor what irrigation and, and whether the animals are eating and being able to do this economically in more markets is, is, is some of the great opportunities. Some of the challenges is, uh, you know, with speed and more devices and with 5G architecture being much more open, which is a good thing, there's also more rooms for attacks, more rooms for people to try to bring down the networks. Uh, IoT, if you think about it, some of the biggest attacks have been geared at IoT devices, which tend to be not you know, don't have a lot of clients on them. You know, they're smaller devices that rely on the network. And people have exploited that. So the challenge is making sure you're building a network, the security around that to protect these applications that are coming. And they're coming fast in, in a good way, right? A lot of people are coming up with great ideas. And being able to protect those op- applications is, is, is the security challenge. Yeah, and I guess as we continue on, we're going to see, as you've already pointed out, more and more devices being connected. And that will include everything from cameras to access readers to, um, you know, all sorts of security devices, which would traditionally have been siloed off. But now with computing at the edge and all the other bits and pieces going on, more and more of that will be connected. Does that then provide significant challenges for security product manufacturers? And, and if so, how do they work around those challenges? What would you suggest they do to prepare? I think for the, the, the companies building solutions around them, they, they have to really understand where the service is going end to end. You know, it's not just about you know, the mobile infrastructure, which they've done a lot in the standards to make sure it's secure, but things go out of there. Then you have to really understand what you're trying to do, where the data is going, where, what countries is going into in terms of things like do you have data, data locality rules and keeping data there? How is the solution going? Is it going over country boundaries? Is it how, how is the data being used? You really have to understand the full application to understand how you're going to protect it, where to put the security, where to put controls into it. Um, being able to have view of the whole 
you know, service end to end, even though you might be working with two or three different providers in the middle, right? You may have, if you're, if you use the connected car, you, you're, you, you're driving from Canada to the US and you might have four or five different providers that you have to work with and you have to understand what's going on there. So you obviously work with a lot of companies who are building IoT and 5G solutions. Um, as far as the security space is concerned, what are some of the biggest mistakes you're seeing companies make? Um, I don't know if there's huge mistakes. I think it's more of a learning process, right? I, I think a lot of the companies that you know, think, you know, hey, I can just put it onto the mobile network and I'm done. You know, yeah. I, I don't need to worry about what happens on the internet, right? And I think that's where people are finally realizing you you got to, you know, you can you might control this mobile infrastructure. The internet is here, which is this other beast. But you're if you're the service provider, you own that customer. If something happens out there, then they're they're still going to go to you because they they don't know where the problem is, yeah. right? So I think they they need to think beyond just hey, I built the tower or I built the the packet gateway. What's the service doing, and 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 how can I provide a better service to the customer? Because I might be, like I said, you might be the one who gets blamed, even though it's not your fault. Yeah, absolutely. And that's from more the the telco and the service provider end. But what about companies that are building solutions that are working on mobile networks, like? Uh, Mobile credentials, a lot of the access control companies now are developing mobile credentials for um, IoT-enabled devices and 5G-enabled devices. Is there anything that you think the manufacturers themselves need to specifically be looking at? I think the, the manufacturers need to specifically look at you know the evolution of the standards and how they're going to interact, um, but also working with you know other... There's, there's very specific controls you can build, but how does it fit together with the other controls? And, and how does it fit together with other security solutions? How do you build a solution? How, you know, if, it's, if a company is just doing one piece, it's an important piece, but I think ultimately looking at how it all fits together and how, who, who else should I be working with to, to solve that problem for the customer? Because it's not, you know, I, you know I, I'm with a company and we know it's not just us. There's you have to work with a lot of different uh, vendors and customers and providers. Yep. And then as far as the industry is concerned, the security industry itself, obviously governments over the next few years will be looking at this from a telecommunications infrastructure point of view. What as an industry should we be talking to governments about to ensure that this kind of technology gets rolled out to its best uh, ability without too much interference from government? Hmm, that's a that's a great question. I think you know there's there's multiple aspects to that question, right? There's you know a lot of the governments are putting out data locality requirements where all the data can't leave my boundary, yeah. right? And and making sure that those requirements are clear of what they need, and for us to be able to meet those requirements, that's one. Um, and I think the other part is you know I think we're seeing the I'm not sure if this is exactly interesting. You know, with kind of the state of the world right now, you're seeing the governments get more involved in making sure that companies that are not pri uh, public companies are protected because they realize that you know if you if you attack a financial institute, that you know that's that's bad for everybody, right? Even though they're you know so we're we're seeing governments get more involved in 
in trying to make sure that that companies within their boundaries are, are protected and which isn't a bad thing it's you know it, it, but I think that it, how much does the government get involved if, you know you know there's always debate on what's what's the right level of involvement yeah. But the, the data locality argument, though, presents some interesting challenges. For example, if I'm a global organisation and I have offices all over the world and I'm running systems that require people to be enrolled in those, uh, those systems, how do I manage those data requirements? That's, that's where, you know, it's easy. When I talk about a global secure fabric that in the presentation, which people listening won't be able to see that, but... There's, if you think about a global secure fabric where traffic comes in and you can monitoring that from both location, uh, what's going on, and be able to provide that for those enterprises. And if the government say, well, you can't go across the boundary, fine, but at least you, you know where that data is and it can be tied together. I think this is where, you know, if you're a global organization, you know, you want to be able to get all the, you want to have one source of data. Now, you might say, well, I have to keep that data within each boundary, but at least you can have access to that data. I think that's a big benefit. Yeah. I know one of the things we've been seeing that's been a challenge as far as cybersecurity is concerned of late is unrelated systems being hacked and attacked in an effort to try and get into the broader network and access other systems. So if we look at security systems as a potential target for that with a view to people getting in through a camera or some other IoT-enabled device, do you, do you think that we need to look back, you know, maybe 10 years ago to where we had the whitelist and the blacklist type situation where we had a, a whitelist of devices where if my camera talks to any of these, that's fine. But if I suddenly find my camera talking to something outside of that whitelist of devices, I need to look at, hang on, what is that communication? Why is that going on? Yeah, I, I, I think it's probably more than that. Uh, I think you really be, have to be able to, and, and those are great examples in, in the IoT world if you get to billions of devices that you really need to, you know, you can't leave that device out there. You know, white lifting, black listing helps, but you also have to be ready for, you know, even if it's a, a, a place that's on your list, you could still get attacked by it. So you have to be prepared to handle those attacks, as an example. You got to be able to, you know, kind of almost predict the unknown of how can people come in and get you, right? And be able to, to, you know, how do you, if somebody really, you know, wants to get in to a thing, it can be, it can be on your whitelist and they can still all of a sudden the DDoS attack you. So you have to be able to handle those kind of events even when you're letting them through. Um, and there's ways to do that. So what do you see as being the five biggest threats or, you know, the, the top threats at the moment for IoT connected and 5G sort of enabled devices? I think that the, the top threats are just, there's so many devices out there and they're coming on fast, right? Um, and, you know, a lot of these devices can't afford a client that a lot of times clients are used. So you have to be able to be able to protect these at the network layer. So you, you can't just throw a device out there. You really got to make sure you understand how to protect those devices. Um, so it's it's pure number. It's it's I, I go back to the DDoS with 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 the speed of these networks, you can really attack quickly, and you need to be able to handle those types of things. Um, and third, I think it's it's you know being able to control where people go to your original whitelist, but beyond that, to really have you know dynamic control of what can be used when and where. 
Okay. And you mentioned during your presentation, and people listening to this won't have seen it, but a number of industries that you see as being the top opportunities for IoT and 5G connected devices moving forward. Can we talk a little bit about what they were and, and where they represent opportunities or how they represent opportunities? Number one by far was the automotive, right? Connected cars, connected fleet management. I mean, if you look at kind of market research by, by a landslide, right? Um, just because you think about the intelligent car, we have them today. Any your new car has got a, every new car today will have, uh, you know, some kind of 4G, 5G device for over the air, you know, downloading software, um, fleet management, you know, trucks and things like that. I think it, it, it's the market overall for IoT's 50 billion, 40 billion ish, is automotive related, and beyond that, you got government, and, and then you got manufacturing. Then you got um, healthcare, and I lose track of what the fifth one was, but it, you know, it, you know that kind of thing. But automotive, by far, is 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 a big one. And when I say automotive, it can be trucking and things of that nature, not just the cars. Yeah, and then obviously all of those things will require some sort of security on the back end to try and make sure that they're doing what they're meant to be doing and nothing further. Right, and, and then you know you also have you know you, you want to have security because it's especially when it gets autonomous cars where you're relying on, you know, real-time intelligence, you know, you, you know, of course, you know, that, that's a scary thought. You, the cars get hacked, right? And people take control of cars, right? I mean, I'm a, that's an oversimplified, you know. But is it really that simple? Because this is something that we see talked about a lot in the media now where, you know, oh, I don't want to drive my new autonomous vehicle because someone's going to hack it and crash me into a bridge. Surely it's not that. Basic. Yeah, I don't think it is. I, I, yeah. I tend to be, agree with you. It's like when when you see something about one of these things going off, you think about the fifty thousand other people who were on their phone and crashed the car because they weren't paying attention, right? Is it really? I, I tend to agree with you. That's. I, I think these are problems. You, you, you know, you, you you have to do extra. You got to do more than what you know. If you're just watching a movie in the car, you know, yeah. you think about the use cases in the car. There's the kids watching the movie in the back seat, which you know, the security there is different, right? If you know, the movie stops working, who cares? Yeah. But you know, but so it's an important thing. I, I, I think we're as an industry already working our way to making sure these things are secure. Yeah, and I imagine medical devices, which was one of the areas that you mentioned, would be one of the greatest threats because. If I can get into someone's pacemaker, I can probably do some pretty un, unorthodox things. Or yeah. we, we see that as, as some of the things we provide. One of the biggest ones in terms of being able to create a dedicated private network, make sure those for those use cases. We see that all the time, more than any right now. You know, making sure that all the, you know. If you think about different regulations in different countries in the U.S., the HIPAA regulations were very strict on how data is transmitted and how things work. You know, we, we see that probably, even though the automotive is bigger longer term, we see the medical being there now, meaning we gotta make sure that this is safe, secure, and they're willing to pay, right, to make sure that, you know, in terms of, as a customer. Yep. And so if I was working in the, uh, I suppose, online cybersecurity space, where would you say this is what you need to be focusing on over the next few years if you want to really take advantage of the opportunities? Um, I, I, I think it really is, um, you know, being able to protect you know, the service end-to-end -end at all layers, right, whether it's layer three, layer four, layer seven, right? You, you've got different ways of you got to look at the whole network vision end-to-end. -end. 
Yeah. Okay. Fantastic. Well, Jonathan, thank you very much for your time. It's been a pleasure talking to you. And if people want to know more about you, where do they go? Uh, for, yeah, for me, uh, jomorgan at akamai.com. Fantastic. Thanks again. Thank you very much. And ladies and gentlemen, don't forget, if you've enjoyed this podcast, there are plenty more like this one in the ASIAL Security Insider series. You can find them on uh, Apple iTunes, Spotify, Blurberry, uh, the Google Play Store, and all the other great places that you can find amazing podcasts. And we look forward to catching you on the next episode. Have a great day.